imagine 2019 you will be beautiful when it's a be- i mean beautiful island of angola at one of the richest hotels on the island i think sandy lane west coast lone star vibes you know what i mean okay you know come back from a night out partying fetting drinking your life away because it's summer you want vacation why not you know what i mean you come back into your hotel room all of a sudden you just hear this noise like things hitting and rattling and then you hear these two little children what you assume are little children bawling their eyes out so you alert hotel staff because this is very weird strange behavior the hotel staff now a lady comes and she knocks on the door you right behind because you want to wait is that going on she opens the door and all you can see is a bloody battered and bruised man one of the fellow employees because he has on a uniform of the hotel laid out on the floor it's a big burly white man he's bloodied himself standing above and what you assume are the children of the man just sitting there crying excessively non-stop you know and all you can think of yourself is what the hell is this why is that going on well if you would sit listen and buckle up i will tell you the story of a guy his name is scott hapgood he comes from darien connecticut and he was just on vacation you know a normal family vacation with his wife two daughters and a son and this is a story of how he was implicated in the murder of one of the hotel workers welcome to cam and crime in the caribbean before i get into the nitty-gritty of the story which i started which you heard in the clip last week or a week before i can't remember my brain my brain don't do we don't do time well over here let me tell you a little bit about why i even started the podcast so i am a lover of true crime when i tell you i could sit and i could watch bailey Syrian all day long i could watch um my baby girl oh my gosh i can't you know like you try to like take me right off your head um true crime and makeup can't remember the girl name but i could i literally have a playlist of over 100 videos that i watched probably a little over half of them and i am i i feel like i'm a i'm a kind of a true crime connoisseur like i i love true crime i i can't watch it past it's a clock though because my brain my brain is so insecure my brain is play tricks on me after a while so your girl can't watch it after the sunset Mm-mm. nah i would dream and dream the killer coming for me and then in my sleep can't do that so you know i was like well what about true crime in the caribbean because you know, here in Barbados, it's here about this body get shoot, that body get shoot. I know um Kim Ramsey, I believe her name is, she wrote a book that called, um, I think it was Murders That Shook Barbados. I haven't had the book. My birthday coming in October though, so if you want to get me it, then go ahead. I would love it. But, and it costs, I think, $42 at K Shepherd. I can message you and let you know. But, <laughs> um... You know, I don't, you don't hear really about a lot of the other crimes that happen in other countries. And I feel as if, like, you know, they got serial killers pretty loose. You feel me? I see they got, like, murderers, kidnappers, and we just don't know about them. Well, they're probably going on, and, you know, the police were probably feeling behind the scenes. But we ain't getting into that because they're probably listening to this, and I don't want to be a target. See? I don't want to get into the mix of the things and the things. I do biochemistry. Not, 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 no. Okay? But regardless, though, I love to hear some. I love to hear the um the psychological asset behind it. Which, if you think about it, well, not think about it. If you keep listening to the podcast, I just might have a guest later on in later episodes to kind of explain the forensic psychology hint hint to you, we shouldn't about it about why people commit crimes and stuff like that because the psychology interests me also people's motives interest me because you know people get killed for 20 dollar bills dog you know people does it's, it's been like people get murdered for like a ring dog go to tropicana and get a replicate you know like 
it, it does it does amaze me people that kill to cover up and i'm like dude what how you can cover up the fact that you cheat for your mind with a with, with a murder you cheat for your mind <laughs> like i can kill somebody because of it dog i just it's fascinating me i i love to like figure out people's backgrounds as well which is why i love bailey syrian which is how i try to, i'm going to try to model this um this podcast after but i didn't start rambling though and i didn't get into the integrity because this case this case piqued my interest because to be honest i knew nothing of anguilla i knew that it was in the caribbean i'm pretty sure it is still under british rule because the flag still it still has on the union jack as far as the concern right the union jack is the the british flag and i was like Anguilla got murders? Because it's here about Jamaica and Trinidad, Guyana and stuff like that. But it's like, Anguilla? I was shook. Like, I was very, very shook. So, just buckle up and relax. So, let me let me get into the background of what happened. Now that I give you a little snippet at the beginning. I give you, like, my reasons why. And hopefully, you know, you could share with me in the comments or on my social media. You know, what aspects of true crime you like as well. And what crimes do you know would have happened in Angola? Because this one here, this this one licked me for six. And I'm a cricket person. But I didn't open the bones at this point when I read this. In continuing now with the story after hearing my reasoning for even doing the podcast in the first place, let me remind you of what the case is. So... This happened in the year 2019, April 2019, actually. As I said, in the beautiful island of Anguilla, here in the Caribbean. And what happened is, or let me tell you the key players first. So this guy, his name is Gavin Scott Hapgood. And if you if you heard me before, in the, in the clip before, I call him Scott because everybody's calling Scott. And him and his wife... Whose name is Kelly Hapgood. It's spelled with a K. I never, I never said that. Like, I, I can't complain because my name is Camille and it's spelled with a K. And in the regular Camille, if you go to my Instagram, ha, plug. If you go, if you go to my Instagram, Ellie Mac, it's actually just my name backwards. And that's the name of the page. Just my name backwards. So I can't judge a person for having a K as a name. Anyways, that, that's the only point of the story. So, Gavin Scott Hapgood, there is not much information or background information that I could actually find on this man. And the only set of information that I had actually found came from this news website. Now, let me, let me, let me just stop to make this slick comment. And there's no way to harm her or create on nobody because everybody got to make the money at the end of the day. I ain't blocking nobody back. But seeing as the fact that I'm broke, <laughs> I was not... A, able to afford the subscription service for this particular website can't remember the name of it but i wasn't able to afford the subscription so i could only find you know tidbits of background information on the actual guy himself what i do know is that he's an american investment banker in darien connecticut and he is 47 he was 47 years old of um as of may the 31st 2021 according to a new york post article and him and his family you know him it was his two girls and his son and the children haven't been named obviously for protection of their privacy because they're children you don't want to expose the children so they don't have any barbados it's happened but Clearly, on the international stage, it'd be a different set of standards. But potato, potato, whatever it is. Regardless, they went to Anguilla, right? On a summer vacation. Regular, regular things, you know what I mean? It's as if, like, me and you went to New York. Because, you know, that's the Beijing thing to do. Like, I go to New York for the summer. You know what I mean? A little too because I went to the summer for Christmas. Every vacation, and I'm going somewhere. So, instead of them going to new york because they already live in the states they came down here to our sunny sandy pristine beaches down here in the caribbean and they went to the country of anguilla now 
let me say this. There are a lot of themes in here that I would like to discuss very, very briefly because I don't plan for the podcast to be no more than 15 minutes. And the fact that this case especially is still ongoing, there is not much information that's going to be released because obviously you have to protect the people's information. You don't want to have any influence from any outsiders. And it is actually a very common thing, if not a law, for a lot of information to be released that is as it is processed through court you feel me because you don't want information getting out there and then you know it's skewed and then when they go off in the jury they can't find nobody to give a fair trial because all this information oh and people gonna have their own you know perception of 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 this gavin Hapgood because he is well, he was supposed to be extradited back to Anguilla. And this is where a lot of the uprising of the Anguillan people, I hope I call one right, because you know, Barbadians are Bajans. So it's Anguilla, Anguillans, Anguillians. I mean, no disrespect. I'm very sorry. <laughs> okay? I mean, no disrespect. If I call you wrong, I'm sorry. I should research it, you know? I'm so sorry. But regardless, there was a small uprising in the country of Anguilla. It's a very small country, to say the least. So if it's still uprising, you know it had to be basically everybody that was vexed. And there were some racial undertones in it because what happened is that Mr. Scott, Mr. Hapgood, he, after after his crime, he committed, he, he admitted that, yes, he did kill the man. But he admitted that he killed the man out of, self, out of self-defense. He... You know, it was like, oh, the, like he came into the room and like this drug-induced rage and, you know, the man seemed as if he was inebriated and not. Basically, the hotel worker was not in correct state of mind, is what I'm saying. And what happened is that he was supposed to obviously stay and he was in the prison, but what Hapgood and his lawyers were saying was that he was not being treated fairly in prison. And in my head, I was like, but prison is supposed to be a hotel. You murder a man in a hotel. You could have stayed in your hotel, but you murdered a man. So obviously, if you go to jail, I don't ever think that a lot of people report jail as a pleasant experience. Because, sir, you're not at the Marriott. You're not at Hilton. You are in prison. It is a totally different experience. Nevertheless, he claimed that he was being mistreated and... He feared for his life, and rightly so. I would fear for my life as well, especially being a foreigner in this foreign country. And, you know, you just came on vacation and end up behind bars. That is, to me, I, I would probably lose my cool as well. But him and his lawyers, it was this whole court document. I could probably post it as, along with posting this on my Instagram, which you could go check out at Ellie Mac. I would post a little tidbit there. I posted a tidbit about a tidbit, sorry, about two weeks ago that you know if you wanted a little insight to the podcast, you could have listened to it. And you could also follow me there for more for more information about the podcast and other things that I have going on if you so wish. You know, I would I would love it. I would appreciate it. But regardless and otherwise in, in other news, let me let me continue with the story because it could babble, right? This guy was saying and his his lawyers were filing these different reports saying how he was being mistreated and he didn't he 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 feared for his life and stuff like that so he was granted bail right the amount i could research that as well i have the information here just i just didn't think that clicking all the time would have been nice so in between the podcast but i guess that's what podcasters do right i i only know beginning regardless um, this document from the Eastern Caribbean Supreme Court, because that is where, that is where the, um, the whole situation, that's under, that's, that's the ruling, I should say, that the whole situation took place. And you could find the document on EC Courts, like Eastern Caribbean Courts.org. They have a whole set of 
information there about different types of cases that are going on under the Eastern Caribbean courts. Now, in the next clip, I'm going to discuss some of the things that were inside the document that was posted on Gavin Scott Hapgood versus Regina. And I'm going to tell you what the, thi the things that happened after his arrest and after his short stint in prison that had the Angolan people in a uproar. I tell you what, they're back now, you know. Back now. And we're back. So, as I said in the previous clip, I told you that I was going to talk about some of the things that happened within this um, Eastern Caribbean court document. And I see here it's dated August 16th, 17th, and October 2nd, 2019. I don't speak law. I do biochemistry. Um, not even do. Sorry, I was approved for graduation in October of 2021, furthermore. And I don't do law. <laughs> and by the way, congratulations to all the fellow graduates of the UV class 2021. Especially... My first class honor students. I honestly adore y'all work, y'all efforts, y'all everything. Y'all are honestly the epitome of what it takes to be a top-notch student. And I give special props to my BCS babies. I want to know how it is. I for sure know how it is. And to see that y'all got it on top, amazing. But beyond that, and continuing with the podcast, the topic of the podcast... The abstract at the top, it reads application for variation conditions of bill because, like I said, Hapgood was able to grant it bill. He pleaded guilty for manslaughter. That is something that I should highlight because he said that he did it in self-defense. And I will, I will talk about the events that happened in more detail because, remember, in the first clip I just spoke about how, you know, the person working at the hotel, you know, from this whole situation happening and you know it's much more that happened in between there as I continued my research beyond that clip and so he was granted bail and it says that the, the conditions of his bill were that he was supposed to the applicant who was as it says Scott Hapgood in this case was supposed to surrender custody he was supposed to surrender to custody right to attend the, prel the preliminary I could talk Preliminary inquiry. English is not my 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 forte. I was gonna say first language, but that's a lie. Cause I'm born and bred Beijing, right? And the queen. So it says that he was supposed to be there in Anguilla, right? He was ordered to be extradited in Anguilla, actually. In uh, let me get that for you. He was yes, he was ordered to be extradited back to excuse me, back to Anguilla in November of 2019, which is a couple months after the April 2019 incident. He was ordered to return there for the hearing, and he refused. And at that point, he was considered a fugitive by the Anguillan government. And the reason why he was considered a fugitive, backtracking a bit, and back to the EC document, is because under his bail, he was supposed to return to Anguilla for the preliminary hearing. Even though he requested to do it via a video link. So it says Zoom, Skype, whatever it may be. He wanted to do it remotely from the comfort of Darien, Connecticut in the US. So that he wouldn't have to return to Anguilla. Right? And so this, this made it absolutely difficult. And even Trump had a say in it. Saying that, you know, in, in essence that there was an injustice done to Hapgood, criticizing the Anguillan government and the way how they were policing the whole situation on the whole, which I thought was kind of... is like you compare apples and oranges. Because, as previously mentioned, Anguilla is part of... Well, not even part of it, it's under British rule. Therefore, you have to look at how the British, how, how the Queen's Council, how they deal with government, how, how their laws apply. Because... American government and, you know, English government it, it is not the same thing. It's a, it's a whole different playground. The, the law is different. There are some things that may apply. There are some things that you could take and relate to one another. But at the end of the day, boss, you can't compare apples and oranges. And so all these apples are all these oranges. Because you're wrong. You'll be wrong. 
regardless though let me let me move on because trump does make my blood boil sometimes you know he 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 does do saying different to me i i but this is not that podcast okay (laughs) this is not that podcast so moving on that's basically the abstract of what the um what Hapgood wanted to happen. He he didn't want to come back. And part of his bill was he 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 was granted the bill and he was supposed to come back. And because he didn't, he was regarded as a fugitive from from the um the Angolan government. But in October 20th, 2019, when Darian had gone back to his his hometown of Darien, Connecticut, he actually, you know, he did this town hall meeting and the senator of this darn Connecticut, Senator Richard Blumenthal, I am sorry if I butchered that name. I'm sorry. But him and people of the community in Darien, Connecticut, they supported him for his man's, his manslaughter charge because the story that Hapgood gave was the fact that he did it in self-defense. That is, that is the baseline of everything that this man is going forward in court and saying. He did it in self-defense and not only was the murderee that's a word the murdered victim not only was the victim accused of being in a self a a, a, a drug-induced rage but he was also accused of trying to steal from Hapgood. and i don't know if to, should i put it can you think y'all ever think to yourself sometimes it's great and it is think out low sometimes you know, people think i'm getting mad but me and me have great conversations, you know. Like like the podcast or go on my IG and comment if you can relate. You know what I mean? You're just talking to yourself. It's just one of the most therapeutic things ever. But that's another topic for another day. As I was saying though, the victim was accused of trying to steal from Hapgood. And so he said that he did it to defend his family. This That was his whole argument. He did it in self-defense. And in in the thing the thing about it is that he did have some injuries that looked like self defense, and he had to be taken to the hospital to, you know, he had to be taken to the hospital to to fix some of his injuries. And one of the pictures that I saw it was like it looked like he was in a real scuffle. I think it, I think his his eye actually was black and blue because, and and he had blood on him. Granted, it could be the victim's blood, but, you know, it was very, very, it looked gruesome. And I'm sorry for butchering your name, sir, but the name of the person who actually was the first, what the worker, one of the, sorry, the first person on the scene, the worker that I talked about in the beginning, his name was Jeshuane Clark, right? Jeshuane Clark, and he was the person, the first person to respond to the situation and you know, be like, what is this that's going on here? You know, he was saying that there was a trail of blood leading from the bathroom a few feet from the entrance. And, you know, he looked into Scott's eyes and then went from Scott's eyes. He looked to the floor and he saw the victim whose name is Kenny. And this is the first time I've ever mentioned his name because I, I think that it is fear to give this man his flowers. And I will give it to him in the next clip. So you could listen out for that in the next couple minutes. But Jeshuane, I'm I'm sir, I'm so sorry for butch I'm sorry if I butcher your name. But he looked into Scott's eyes, looked on the ground, and then he saw Kenny beneath Scott on the floor. Now you can't tell me if you walk in a room and you see a man underneath another man. The man on top bloodied, yes, but the man on the ground dead. What are you going to think? Oh, a scuffle happened. Oh, he was on it in self-defense. All you're going to see is a dead man on the ground. And what's the first thing you're going to think? He killed him. That's the first thing you're going to see. And the thing about it is that this man, Kenny, he was so young, so vibrant, so full of life. And it seemed as if, you know, from accounts of people that he knew and knew him, he was a caring person, a passionate person about his about his craft. And is to me, when I hear stories like this of people who to the world, who to people around them seem like the most genuine people 
the, the most talented people who had something to offer to the world, it just get to me, you know? It just feels stink because suppose I'm had something to offer that I couldn't, that you couldn't. It was unique to them. I know the world would never know this gift. And that's crazy to me. That's hurtful to me, I should say. So another goal I should add in the in the past, in the previous clip to this, to the one before, was that I want to give just desserts to the victims. Because they too deserve a voice, you know. A lot of the time we focus on the killer. And I am interested in the psycho in the in the psyche of a killer. But you also have to look at who was killed. And you have to give them the justice that they deserve. And a lot of people don't realize that. Ted Bundy's victims got less notability, notoriety, fame, literal fame, because they got people that mad over Ted Bundy. He got more fame than them. I, I personally cannot tell you one Ted Bundy victim. But I could tell you what he looked like. I could tell you what were his attributes. But I can't tell you what the talents of his victims were. Because they don't get the just desserts. So you hold, you hold tight. And let me tell you about Mr. Kenny. Just a little tidbit. Because there's not much information out about him. As I said, the case is ongoing. As it goes further, we will know more, more information. But let me tell you a little bit about Kenny. Mr. Kenny Mitchell. The victim here in this case between the government of Anguilla and Mr. Gavin Scott Hapgood. He was a 27-year-old Dominican native, meaning he was originally born in the country of Dominica. And that's a country we can cover later on. I, I, I plan to do it. I ain't research any cases about it yet, but that's on my list. Of Caribbean countries. Because the plans are going to have the corridor. Hence. Where you start with Anguilla. I don't know with Antigua. No Anguilla. After that. Y'all don't mind me. I think you don't know the gang remember. Anyways. So. Mr. Mitchell was born in a family of two brothers. Two other brothers. And according to one of his friends. He was the favorite. I can't say I can't relate. Because. You know, I, my nigga be fair. I can share it because I have a sister as well. But I ain't gonna make you jealous. Don't worry, I ain't gonna make you jealous. You know, Izzy first, you know. Anyways, so <laughs> he was the favorite. And regardless of the fact that his parents split, like, he still maintained a good relationship with the two of them. However, his father moved to Anguilla. So this is how Anguilla come into play, come into this whole, this whole scene because of senior mitchell he moved to anguilla in order to pursue a business as a contractor and this information i should say is coming from town and and it says here that you know kenny often travel back and forth between the two islands of dominique and anguilla between his parents which i don't think is a bad thing you know like if if you got a mother here and a father then you could afford it go ahead do as you please, do as you wish. And Anguilla only contained 15,000 people, so it wasn't like he can get lost. Well, I shouldn't say so. I shouldn't say so. Forgive my Lord. Forgive me. Anyways, regardless, in 2015, though, is when he moved to Anguilla for good. So, sir, but when he was about, was 27 minus 4, about 23 years old, is when he decided to move to Anguilla and... He decided that he was going to follow in his father's footsteps, meaning that he wanted to pursue business as a contractor. Now, whether that be a person contracting people or a person actually going into the field, who knows? But regardless, he wanted to follow in his father's footsteps, and so he did. And Kenny Mitchell was this amazing, lovable, friendly person. He was one of the men, right? You know when you're going to fat? I can give you an example so you can understand what I mean. You know you're going to fat. You, relative, you know, relative. It's not specifically you, but imagine you're going in a fat, right? You know, sometimes you got people that you might not know, but you're just vibing at the dance. You might not know this man. You might not know this woman, but when you get there, the energy there, you know what I mean? They can buy a drink for you when they can start talking. Like, it's not, 
Kenny was that type of person. And immediately after moving to Anguilla is when he made friends. Immediately. And some of his hobbies included cooking and eating and dancing. He sounded like my kind of guy. And another thing he also did was love to make music. That was his craft. That was that was his talent. And that's why he said that, you know, they got some people that are taking us taken from us far too soon. Because who knows? He could be next Bob Marley. You know? A Dominique and Chris Brown. A Drake. But we would never know because he was sadly taken away from us way too soon, actually. His two-year anniversary would have gone a couple months ago as well. So, again, rest in peace to him. And it says here that, you know, he was able to throw a barbecue just like that. And he had a crowd to boot. Because, as I said, he was a friendly person. And he would always say, according to one of his friends, I'm going to grill up some chicken. Invite everybody to come. He loved to see people having a good time. And that's a quote taken from the same town and, and country magazine article. Now, a year after he moved to Anguilla is when he met darling Emily Garlic. Oh, I love her last name because I love garlic. Oh, is there a jealous, a jealous. Are you the same way? Go and comment on my Instagram and tell me. You like garlic? You food? I love garlic. I like onion. I like garlic. I like pepper. I like a little heat flavor. You know what I mean? Both um, powdered as well as the real thing here. Don't get, don't get to it. It's two different flavors. I'm not about to tell you the difference. Powdered versus the raw thing. Two different flavors. I'm not about to tell you. Hey. Moving on, though. But that's where he met him. He, he met his girlfriend, Emily Garlic, at a food festival where she was working. And the fact that he loved food and she loved food. But as a match made in heaven, you know what I mean? He could cook. She could cook. She could cook. He could eat. Vice versa. Was to sit and can't get together. So they did. Oh, it, it, it only took them a little while for them to actually get together and stay together. Everybody knew them as an amazing couple. And he complimented her, you know, saying that she was beautiful. She was amazing. And, you know, Garlic was this white, British, red-haired, blue-eyed, ocean of freckles type of girl. And it says here that he fell hard. And she described him as a man that had looked sharp. And he was funny and goofy. Loved to dance. He was a bit silly. But overall, he was an amazing person. You could not say a bad word about Mr. Kelly Mitchell. And the thing about it is that, surprise, four months after becoming a couple, they had a child. And they decided to name her Miley, which was a combination of both of their names. Miles, which was one of Kenny's nicknames, and Emily. I think it's cute. That's adorable. Oh, Y'all like names like that? Let me know in the comments. Let me know. Y'all love combination names? I got a friend I could call she name, but it's literally her mother and her father's name put together. I've never heard it in my life, but... You could tell me what you think. I, I, I love combination names. But not everything not everything is to go together. But your child, your decision. Anyways. <laughs> and the baby was born in February of 2017. Now, that means the baby, the baby she, she had no turn to when her father passed away. And that's, that's a sad thing about it as well. Babies don't get to know the fathers or the mothers, the aunts, the uncles, whoever it is that was taken away from them. She would never get to make those memories. She would never get to go to a father-daughter dance. A true father-daughter dance, I should say. She'll never get to be like, Daddy, they're my little boyfriend. You know what I mean? I don't know if she would be able to do that because Caribbean parents love to shame you. Well, my wife, that is first thing my my father would tell me. <laughs> But regardless, Kenny was an amazing father. Garlic regarded him saying that, you know, the, when, she, when she viewed him as a father, that he was great and he knew his responsibilities and he did them well. And she even recorded videos of him playing with her and feeding her, changing the pampers. And this is her direct quote. He was caring and he was passionate about everything. 
his music, his food, me, his family, how he looked. As I said, what she said, he was a bit silly, but he was a good one. And that's a direct quote from Emily Garlic, who was Kenny Mitchell's girlfriend at the time of his death. But he ended up finding a job at one of, at this luxury hotel after Hurricane Irma literally mashed away everything in September 2017. And he was able to get this job at this luxury hotel, which, you guessed it, Hapgood was staying at. And he wasn't working there very long, and he was earning around $2,000 a month. But regardless of the money, regardless of everything, he loved what he did. And everybody he knew regarded him as a dreamer of bigger things. He wanted to go college abroad, and he wanted to do his own landscaping business. Remember, the whole reason he came to Anguilla in the first place is because... He wanted to follow in his father's footsteps as being a business contractor. But more than that, Kenny Mitchell wanted to be an entrepreneur. He wanted to make his own money. I know he had a girlfriend and a child to look after. That was even more motivation for him to put one foot and step in front of the other and step into the right direction. So it wasn't as if, you know, he was on the streets doing all type of foolishness. He was actually trying to do something for himself. You know, but one of the things that marred his reputation as something that Hopgood's lawyers was quick to bring up when it came to Mitchell's integrity was the fact that at the time of Mitchell's death, he was actually out on bail. And that's 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 very interesting to me based on how much praise this man got throughout his life. He was actually out on bail with a protective order. Keeping him from seeing Garlic or his daughter at the time. Now, this accusation was based on the fact that Garlic was raped. He was, he, Mitchell was, Mitchell, meaning Kenny, was charged with raping Garlic in March of 2019. March 25th of 2019, which was less than three weeks before he died. is when he was arrested and charged with raping his girlfriend, Emily Garlic. Now, Garlic denies that this ever happened, right? But nobody really don't know what is the truth. Because she could be saying so to say face. We don't know. But again, I would have respect for the daddy. I would not accuse him of doing something that he flat out did not do. Especially if the girlfriend is saying, you know, he didn't do it. But is she saving face? Who knows? Tell me what you think in the comments. But she was, he, the thing about it is that he was never known to be a violent person. So, coupled with the fact that he was accused of rape, I know Hapgood accusing him of coming their armed with a knife, attacking him or threatening to attack him if Hapgood did not give him any valuables. Because Hapgood's, Hapgood's perception or Hapgood's recall of the whole incident is that Kenny came in in this drug-induced rage and he was trying to steal from him and Hapgood killed the man over self-defense. But the fact that Kenny was not known to be a violent person, that got me puzzled a little bit. You know? I, 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 I do understand that one. But anyways, she said that violence did not define him. And he did not deserve to die. And I completely agree with that. I don't think anybody deserves to die. Unless you do something extremely disgusting. Wicked and vile. And if you know where I come from, you are my friend. <laughs> but moving on, and you know, coming back to the whole situation of him being in this drug induced rage, a toxicology report, and this is now, this is now coming from CNN, and it's coming from an article written by Karma Hassan and Amanda Watson on October 3rd of 2019. This toxicology report that came from this whole case, the initial one, I should say, was that Mitchell had died of prone, restraint, and positional asphyxia, which coincides with what Clark was saying, which is, or not even Clark, Clark was saying that Hapgood did. I don't know if that makes sense. I hope that makes sense. 
McClark, remember? Jeshua. Jeshuan. The fellow talked about in the last, you know what I mean. He was saying that Scott Hapgood was also like holding down Clark. Not Clark. Oh, Lord, my head. It all. Sorry, it all. He was also holding down Mitchell. So this coincides with the fact that the first coroner report, the first autopsy that was released in April, was that he died from prone restraint and positional asphyxia. Asphyxia meaning choking, right? Lack of ear to the brain. Oxygen, sorry, to the brain. His oxygen flow was restricted. And there were also signs of blunt force trauma to the head, torso, and abdomen. Which coincides with Hapgood. Hapgood's story. That there was some type of scuffle. You know, some type of back and forth going on. But interestingly enough, a second coroner report, a second toxicology report, which was obtained in September 3rd, a couple months after this initial one, said that acute, that there was acute cocaine toxicity that could have been a potentially independent cause of death in the known circumstance. And this was quoted by Dr. Stephen King, who oversaw the autopsy. Again, again, let us think in for a minute. Because to me, that both autopsy, it's so convenient. Both autopsy reports are leaning towards the opposite side of the spectrum. One of them leans towards what Hapgood was saying, which is that this man came in the room in this drug-induced rage. But then the other one is, is coming off as Hapgood do this. Just because, and he overpowered this man, and it, it feels, it, it sounds like he deliberately choked this man, he deliberately killed this man, he should be charged with murder. Which is what the Anguillan people believe. What do you think? Let me know in my comments on, the, on, on my Instagram. Let me know, because it's, this, this is very, very interesting to me. I am neither, on, on, I, on neither side. What I would like is justice for the victim. But does that justice come at the expense of a man who probably who, who may have actually done this in self-defense if Mitchell did anything? This is where we gotta wait for the rest of the case to play out because say fishy there. I know but wanna. But it's fishy to me. Hmm. That's interesting. No, I I Hmm, that's that's interesting to me. Anyways, in the next and final clip of the podcast, I'm gonna talk about some of the underlying themes I talked about near the beginning. One of them, which I think I had mentioned, was it was very racially skewed in the eyes of a lot of Angolan people. And there, as I said, there are only fifteen thousand of them, approximately fifteen thousand, I should say. So a lot of a lot of different themes are coming out in this in this in this case and it's something that I want to talk about in my last segment which I which I would try to make in every single podcast you know different themes I see reaching out to me from cases and I want to know your opinion on these things as well do you agree with me or I just taking things out of turn let me know let me know Welcome to the final segment of Chem and Crime in the Caribbean podcast, episode one. I can't add an ass only fat yet, so you gotta bear with me on me. But let me start off this segment with a quote. Imagine if a black Anguillan came to America and killed a wealthy white father. Would he be allowed to leave on bail? Answer that question for me. Any comments? Go ahead. I'm waiting. I ain't go back and read them, but I'm waiting. Because in my unbiased opinion, based on how I know that the world works and the favor in which the world works, I don't think so. We live in a world that is very racially skewed. In a lot of situations, I wouldn't say all. 
And it's not only racially skewed to one side because the automatic thing that black people would think is everything is geared towards a white man. A lot, but not everything. And that's one thing I have. I, I have to be honest with myself and say it's not everything, but it's a lot. And these, this is something that speaks to me. The theme jumps to me. That these, that this, the fact that this man got to on seventy four thousand dollars in bail for murdering a man. Mind you, they tried his manslaughter, but you kill a man, you 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 took his life in your hands, and you took it away from him without his consent. Otherwise, is euthanism. Something like that. I don't know. But. I don't think it's euthanism, you know. It's an E-word, though. I get research and I don't want to know what I mean. But you know what I mean. You know what I mean. And. He took away this man's life. But yet. He was able to hop on a little private jet. That his friend chartered for him. Hmm. And he was able to just. Fly back to Darien, Connecticut, while Kenny Mitchell's family mourned him in both Dominica as well as Anguilla, which is why he was awarded with two funerals. You know, he had two funeral services, both in his native Dominica as well as Anguilla, because he was loved. He was loved by many people. He was treasured by many people. And the fact that his life was taken away so soon, that hurt a lot of people and it, it awoke this beast this underlying hum that is in almost every single serious situation that happens on like a global scale and also on a lot of social circles where is this is is the decision of the court pertaining to kenny mitchell a black man's murder racially skewed towards the rich white man because this man was a banker you know Hapgood was a banker he made bank no pun intended my guy was on vacation in Anguilla at a luxury hotel what I tell him in the beginning Sandy Lane he had shmoney honey period so the fact that he was able to get away a lot of people in Anguilla was not comfortable with. I would not be comfortable with. And the fact that he was able to leave. You were under his bail, you know, he was supposed to come back. I talked about that and he refused. He didn't want to come back for any of the judicial hearings, any of the preliminary hearings, because he said he feared for his life. But still, law is law. And though he's considered a fugitive by the Angolan government, which I previously mentioned, he's still in, two years later, and he still ain't come back yet. You feel them things right? And you could tell me your opinion on whether or not a black man would have been dragged back to, to Angola. Furthermore, he couldn't step foot on a plane. He had to serve his sentence or at least face trial right there and then regardless regardless of his feelings about how he liked or did not like her majesty's prison in Anguilla. I don't know. I that one just touched me different. That hits me different. And that's one of the, the themes that spoke to me when I was reading through this initially and all now. I think it's unfair that a man basically escaping justice, even though the Anguilla, I can't, I have to give credit where credit is, we can't discredit the fact that the Angolan government and the police force and the judicial system is not doing everything they can at this moment, because they are, they're trying their best and you have to give people their credit. But the fact that he was able to leave in the first place, mm-mm, Sarah Wither, not or not only bail, but you left a whole country, my guy. People get whole in Barbados for less, and you left. Whew, that one tough. Another thing 
that I think is minute, but it's just a personal opinion of mine is that, you know, people have got a lot to say when you're dead and not necessarily when you're alive. They're trying to tear down this man's reputation, all that he did, which is what a lawyer is supposed to do when your client is being accused of killing another man. But have respect for the dead. Oh, Lord. My heart, you know, my heart. But I'm not going to get in the way of a lawyer's duty. Because any lawyers that may be listening to this and come and be like, but that's what I'm supposed to do. Do your thing, honey bunny. I ain't stopping you. That's just a personal opinion. And you are allowed to have your own. And I want to hear it in the comments on my Ellie Mac Instagram page. Okay? Let, let me know. Talk to me. Talk to me nice. Even talk to me bad. All commentary is good commentary because we get to learn from one another. We get to bounce off of each other. And I want to hear you guys' opinion on this entire thing. Please know that it's not finished as yet though. The case is still ongoing. Who knows if Hapgood will ever return to Anguilla. Who knows when this case will be solved. It could be dragged out for years. But regardless, I, I is interested me. I've never known about it until I researched it for this podcast. But it it tickled my fancies. And I really want to see how this whole situation is gonna work though. Because I could only imagine how good and he money, honey. They're gonna drag Mitchell for everything that he has. Well, I could only see I I, I could only wait and see. As still going on. I hope that you guys have an amazing day or night, afternoon, evening, whatever it may be. Thank you so much for listening. I know it passed, sorry, I know it passed 15 minutes, but I, as, as I sat and I talked, it became more and more passionate and I get more and more uncomfortable because you know I never do this before, you know. I never do it by myself, you know. Let me do little tidbits here and there to test things, but. I've never, I've never done this before, you know. So I thank you for bearing with me. I, I welcome all critiques, comments, and commentary about my podcasting skills. Because I am a novice. I am a baby. I am a peeny podcaster. I'm a premature podcaster. I still, I still am a baby stage. So I welcome all critique. I welcome all comments. I welcome all your concern. But overall... I thank you so much for listening to my first ever Kem and Crime in the Caribbean podcast in the island of Anguilla. Remember, take care of yourself. Until next time. Bye.